For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Super Bowl edition of the Believe in Vikings with B-Mac and Baker. Uh, the Vikings, of course, are not in the Super Bowl, but they do have some ties to Minnesota players like Antoine Winfield and Tyler Johnson. Um, so in the spirit of that Super Bowl week and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we have Jared Allen on tonight who will join us shortly. We also have Nick from St. Paul. She's a Vikings lifer. And then we have the usual Brian McKinney who is a Super Bowl champion in his own right. And then we have Ron from Franchise Tag, the new nationally themed football website that is launching in February. But first, let's talk about betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is here, and you can get in on all of the action at betonline.ag. The over-under for that contest is 56 points, so if you think it's going to be an absolute shootout, then slide on over to BetOnline and put your money where your mouth is. Tampa Bay is the first team in history to play for the title on their home field. Uh, they're currently three-and-a-half-point underdogs against Kansas City, um, who is looking for back-to-back titles for the first time in almost two decades. Bet Online has hundreds of props bets for this game, including game MVP, margin of victory, and even the length of the national anthem. Uh, so, always available. Head on over to betonline.ag on your uh, computer or your mobile mobile device. That's visit betonline.ag today. I have it under good authority that Jared Allen is probably going to take the whole hour. He is a tremendous guest. Uh, so, why don't we hop right into it? Jared, tell us what you've been up to in 2021. Uh, well, it's a, it's a short year so far, but <laughs> same old, same old. You know, kids on virtual school, so that just just hanging out. Um, you know, all the all the normal stuff, trying to trying to get a house built, all this, all the crazy goodness, all the craziness of life. And so you're in Tennessee now. Is the house also going to remain in Tennessee, or what's going down? Uh, yes, I. I, uh, I moved out here, goodness, about four years ago from Arizona, and uh, we decided my wife from Chicago, so you know, that'd be cool to be closer back to the Midwest, have some seasons, you know, with the desert kind of played us out, you got a little played out of the desert, and then um, I realized how much it rains here, or at least it did the last, like, three springs and, you know, winters we were here, Yeah. and I instantly wanted to move back to the desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. But I was... I was told I am no longer allowed to move my family across country, so I'm stuck. I'm here. I'm in Tennessee now for the foreseeable future. Okay, fair enough. All right, this next one is uh, it's a pretty straightforward one, but I ask it of all of our uh, player guests so we can kind of uh, establish a baseline. How closely do you follow the Vikings and or the Chiefs nowadays? Do you is it from a distance? Honestly, you I don't watch. Yeah, I don't watch much pro football. I love watching college oh. football. 
So I follow enough to know what's going on, obviously, um, just because like with the Vikings and even with the Chiefs, I still got some front office guys and, and people in the organization uh, that I'm close with. So, you know, enough to know what's going on, but we're not the ins and outs and uh, enough when I got to do interviews, I can sound somewhat intelligible. Okay. So are we talking like watches the playoffs or not even that? Yeah, I watch the playoffs. Um, so I, I, you know what? I, I tend to watch the playoffs mostly of, of all sports. Yeah. Um, uh, Probably basketball is probably one I, I probably don't watch. Um, okay. Just because you can literally watch the last two minutes of any basketball game and get the gist <laughs> of what's going on. Yeah. Basketball is like the perfect cliff note sport for everything. Yeah. Um, You're one of those. So I, <laughs> I don't watch. I don't watch baseball or hockey regular season. Okay. We'll watch the playoffs. Who okay. do you follow and, in college then? Because I mean, I'm sure you still stick up with or stick with Idaho State. But who do you? Uh, uh, dude, I would love to sit there and say you know, but you know, one one double A, it's hard to watch, and Idaho <laughs> State were not very good. Uh, I I you know what? I just love college football because college football still is like is that it's other than high school football, it's the purest form of football. Right? Like, right. You still have rivalries. You still have, you know. As much as you, you, there's obviously a ton of money in college football, but people are like the kids are still playing to get somewhere, right? Yeah, Brian, um, you talked about we that. We had that conversation the other week. Yeah, I was yeah, talking about it, how I enjoy like supremely watching pro football and writing about pro football. And Brian asked me what I disliked about college. And it's not that I don't dislike it, I just only have so much sports time I can allot with, as a family man that I, I committed all to pro football. But Brian, you talked about the exact same things Jared did for love of the game stuff and whatnot, that college yeah. is probably a more. And, uh, you're thing. not worried about, you're not worried about guys being traded. You know what I mean? Once they're there, they're pretty much there for the most part. And, um, and if you want to, you can continue to follow their career to the next level. Exactly. And I, and I think too, I mean, now this whole, this whole portal, like we didn't have the, uh, what was this portal? Oh, yeah, that portal yeah, to, yeah, that's different now. Which, oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You get upset <laughs> and you get to, yeah. you get to leave, you get to <laughs> run away from all your problems. Um, but no, but, but other than that, like, like you said, like I really enjoy, so I don't really have a set team I follow. I, I, I enjoy watching greatness. So um, obviously I got a lot of friends that went to Alabama. So it's like, you yeah. know, roll tide. My niece goes to Alabama. So I watched that. Uh, coach Mason, you remember D Mace, right? Yeah. Big Mac. So he was the head coach at Vanderbilt. Yeah. So I used to go down there, holler at him and, uh, and, and help the guys there. So follow those guys. But, you know, like Trevor Lawrence, like to watch Clemson's rise and watch him has been so much fun because here Bama's dominated the scene. And then you got, you know, Trevor Lawrence comes back in. And then even this year, like the Florida teams, like Miami, what, I think Miami was ranked, what, seventh for a while? We're many, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and so to see like the resurgence of the old school teams come back, and, and even though it's this weird pandemic year, that's what I like about college football. Like you truly always have a random team that comes in. Yeah. You're gonna have your staples, right? But you have a random team that comes in. That's why I'd like to see college football open up to the uh, to I, I think just the top six teams and the top sixteen teams in the country. Let them have a playoff and just you know scrap the bowls. Yeah, you can name whatever games you want to name them. But I, I think it'd be cool because then you got a team like Cincinnati this year. I think was like undefeated. Um, and you got a couple, uh, there was another random team that was killing it this year who went on to beat like a, a big 10 team in the, uh, in the bowl game. So I just think that'd be cool. And, for, and then you got, and you got, like you said, you got kids, you just got, and you still got like that special team. You still got the Rudy's of the world out there, just like gung ho throwing themselves <laughs> into people. So, you know, you gotta love it. All right. All right, Nicole, uh, this is Jared Allen. You're familiar with all of his catalog. Uh, what question do you have for him to uh, kick off your question? All right, so more so of a commentary than maybe a question, but hoping <laughs> you can um, 
enlighten us and maybe put my heart to rest here. But um, the year was 2013. The holiday was Christmas. Um, I think I believe your secret Santa was Adrian Peterson. And I'm just curious to know if you still have that Miley Cyrus bodysuit, man. And if so, <laughs> do you still wear it? Oh, the uh, the Santa suit? No, man. It was like a little like leotard. It looked like a, a bunny or a mouse or something. <laughs> you know, I remember the, the things I remember, man. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to think. Try the AP for his secret Santa. What is well, we got picture got proof like, and everything, so it's not yeah, like she need, just I made need, this up. No, no, I need to see it to remember because I would remember like a, like I'm a big fan of like leotards and tight onesies. I'll pull it up on Twitter here. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, it's oh uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yep. To- yeah. You know what? I'm 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 ashamed of myself for not actually knowing you know remembering that and wearing that. Those are on trend uh, now. <laughs> What, yeah, what about, I forgot what, that one. Well, what about the Santa suit? That there was something there, wasn't there? <laughs> oh yeah. So we used to have we used to have uh, we used to have Bible study at my house, and then the the whole white elephant secret Santa thing, you know, morphed into this. Uh, we used to be a, a ugly sweaters contest, and then it morphed into just the ugliest costume, most obnoxious costume you could possibly wear contest. So uh, Joe Webb came in one year crushing it and took my coveted trophy. And then AP came one year as Santa. So I decided to step it up with like a full red skin tight, you know, mammal toe showing Santa suit with the big white beard. And uh, yeah, I took my trophy back. Knuckles, you know? Yeah. Brian, did you get down with anything uh, wacky like that? I don't know if they were doing that when I was there. Did they make stuff um, that big? Right. That's another issue. We were there. Everybody got the invite. He just didn't show up. Oh, he was busy winning Super Bowl. <laughs> oh yeah, after he left us, after he left us and won a Super Bowl. This is Matt Burke. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, Jared, so I got a question here. My name's Ron, by the way. Um, so I've, you know, been a huge fan of yours, obviously, here. And then as Ben Lieber has transitioned in the broadcasting role, so following him and his work. So I've listened to your your interview with him on his podcast as well as with Power Trap power trip guys so um your answer may change now as we're getting closer to that hall of fame um whatever the not induction but when you know whether or not you're getting in now numbers say you will get in it's just a matter of when and i know you have a great perspective on it as far as just being named with the uh, the guys on the list obviously of peyton manning you know you said you, you just being a footnote to peyton manning or whatever like every afterthought so which you're not an afterthought so um that's one thing to, that i think is would be great anyways but the list is pretty robust the names on it so as we get closer to that time when you'll find out whether or not you're in on the first ballot what would it really really mean to you to be a first ballot not only with peyton manning on that list but just for your own self like to know that hey first time i had a shot i'm in yeah you know obviously i think everybody wants to be a first ballot right i mean that, that idea so but i i gotta be honest like when it it's it's a weird deal right because you retire and then five years pass, you know, you're talking half a decade, you know, like I've, I've been focused on my kids, my wife, my family and, and, and just in life in general. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I saw and I, it's how closely I don't follow stuff. You know, I, I got a, or NFL posted something and you know, my wife runs my social media. I have no clue. So I, she literally showed me like the, the direct message from Big Mac the other day. It was like, 
Hey, you know Bryant McKinney? I was like, yeah, it's an old team I watch. Like, he uh, messaged you. What do you want me to reply? I'm like, uh, yeah, tell me what's up. <laughs> uh, so, so I, you know, I got the first notice notification that I was on like the list 125, you know, through that way. Like, uh, you know, the NFL just posted that you're on the Hall of Fame list. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Awesome. And then uh, I got like a text message about, Hey, can you come on, you know, NFL network, you made the semifinals. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And, and you know, so each process, like I enjoy each process as it is, but I go about my life because there's literally nothing you can do about it. And so, right, yeah. you know, the meaning, like the meaning of the gold jacket, like that is insanely like, it's, it's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's a recognition of all the blood, sweat and tears you put into this sport. And, you know, I'm sure like, I, 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 I played this game since I was eight years old. Right. And never miss a year until I retire. It was 25 straight years of practice or of football. I mean, and mm-hmm. so the amount of people that that influenced me and, and helped and sacrificed along the way to help me get to where I was at, like that's what that recognize, you know, to me, what it really represents. It represents everybody that supported me in that role and helped me to obtain my goals, whether it's teammates, coaches, uh, you know, naysayers, even like, you know, whatever motivates you. And and so the coolest part about this is been being able to go back and now have a different perspective of my career. Cause you know, when you're in it, you just don't look at it. You, when you're in it, like, you know, big Mac, like you judge the negatives. Like I'm every year I would sit and, and self scout and, and it's what, what did I suck at? What did I need to get better at? Mm-hmm. And, and so you, you, that's just your motivation is constantly every year you got to outdo the year before. And so now to go back and sit where my kids are old enough to kind of look at it and appreciate it to sit back and, you know, and rewatch a game or something with wife or, or my dad and talk about it in a different aspect and talk to coaches and, and, and get to thank people. And, and, and so it's kind of this affirmation that, man, the, you, you did it right. You played the game, right. And, and it's also my way of thanking and admitting to kind of re-enjoy it with all these people that maybe I didn't take the time during my career to pause and like fully appreciate. So if I get in, Man, it's awesome. I would love it. Uh, the, fin- the, the fact that I was a finalist, the fact that I was a finalist in my first year was great. Uh, I, I got true hard, hard, honest talk. I had no anticipation of getting in because I'm like, listen, you got Peyton, he's in, right? Charles Woodson, most like 99.9%, he is in. I don't know that they're putting three, four first ballot Hall of Fame guys in on the same ticket. You got Seymour, Fanica. Um, Rondé Barber's I mean, the, there. The Barber, but I mean, as far as like some of the guys, uh, look at Boselli has been on the list for what ten years, and I know he, yeah. he you know injury. You got mm. John Lynch. You got, <laughs> I mean, so to sit there and say you deserve more than somebody would be arrogant. And every single one of those players, and I'm sure Big Mac same way. You can look at a player in a generation that you grew up watching and be like, mm. bro, that dude was like that dude was insane. Mm. And and to be in that conversation, it, it's already cool. So. However, the chips fall, they fall. Uh, I laugh and joke when, when people ask me, like, what if you don't get it? I said, well, the good Lord still loves me. My wife loves me. My kids love me. I made it 38 years without being a Hall of Famer. If it's one or you two more, I'm sure I'll be cool. Well, I will say this on your behalf, too. I don't think through your span there was a more dominant defensive end. So I think that you have that to fall back on. Um, and uh, well, also, the, like, it is a numbers game, too. Like, I get that. Like, there, you know, there's only five spots. So it will be tough. And like I said, I feel like you have a good perspective on that. So, um, but if, in my opinion, the fact that, the list that's there, you're you know, 12th in sacks. I feel like it would be a travesty if you're not yeah. first ballot. So. And then all the name, you may not realize it 
uh, you know, because you're somewhat removed, but all those names that you just named off to pretend that you're not in that class is egregious. So <laughs> well, well, I think, I, but I think that's, you know, you look at any, I, I, and I would argue, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm naive, but I bet if you talk Take to a compliment. those guys, I, no, I will, but uh, I would say, but if you are, if you talk to those guys, I, they'd probably say the same thing. And I think that's yeah, kind of what you separates go. Good players from, from great players is, is for me, at least when people say, what was the difference? I never felt like I arrived. You know, mm-hmm. I always had, I always thought I had something to prove. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, it's funny. I look back and, uh, you know, you, there, there's guys in the league and I, I, I laugh and joke about it by Asia because DeMarcus Ware and I, I think he's up next year. Uh, our careers are pretty much mirrored. He came in a year after me, uh, but our numbers are, are pretty much stacked. And I'm like, and I always joke, I'm like, Somehow that dude, we got the same numbers. That dude had like nine or ten Pro Bowls. I got like five. You know, I'm like, where, 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 where did I fall short? Yeah. But I always found little things like that to try to motivate because I never wanted my mind to get to a place where I was complacent. Yeah. And I always knew in my life when I got to a spot where I was complacent that it's time to walk away. Um, and and that's one of the reasons you know I blew out my L5 in my last two years. Uh, I played with a ruptured L5 and a broken foot my last year. Um, and, and, but that, but the reason I knew it was time to retire was because I got to the point where putting the effort in the off season, it just wasn't there. Spending the six hours in the gym to, to, to make sure I was at, an, at, at where I needed to be to compete at a level that I thought was acceptable. It wasn't there. So I just, you know, I knew going into year after year 10, I knew I was playing two more and I was done. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of how, that, that's just how I had kept my mindset going. And I think, you know, I'll, you know, everybody compartmentalizes it differently. Okay. It's the best way to say it. You know, lead athletes have to compartmentalize. How do you stay focused on the task at hand? Because otherwise, you, you just you, you let yourself slip, and you know you get you can only get by on athleticism and, <laughs> and good looks for so long. <laughs> of course. All right, Brian. Amen. I'm going to ask this of you, Brian, because I don't know that Jared uh, follows close enough to uh, give an answer on this. But if you do, Jared, chime in, Brian. Uh, Eric Bieniemy has been passed over now by. 14 or 12 teams by my count for a head coaching job. And he is the offensive coordinator of the Kansas city chiefs. And he also has ties to the Vikings from uh, your guys's team as the running backs coach. So uh, the Vikings inconspicuously have not hired an offensive coordinator yet. And normally they would have filled that now with probably an internal hire. So in your opinion, as an offensive guy, Brian, is there any possibility that the Vikings may be waiting for Bienemy because within a Mike Zimmer offense, Bienemy would have a lot more control than he does in an Andy Reid offense. That can very well be true. Um, I'm really not sure what the Vikings are trying to do at this point, but I feel like he would be a good fit, but I do know he is looking to become a head coach at some point. Yeah, he is, and it's just strange that it, it's almost conspiratorial that he's not being picked, but, I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, Jared, do you have any thoughts on that, or is that too far yeah. out of your purview? No, I just – I literally – I just I just had this conversation oh. on, uh, on Fox Sports Radio uh, <laughs> from, a slightly, from a slightly different angle. But so I, I, think, I think where the head coaching positions are at this day, I mean, I think everybody is looking for that, that, like, young, youthful, you know – college mind because you got the, i think what people don't realize and, and big mac you know even better than me because you were two years before me in the league mm. is the, the, the players these days are different it's a different like i hate to say social media has killed like the old school <laughs> way of football because everybody thinks yes. they're famous when they come into the league you know what i mean right. and the enemy i love it eb that dude is an old school coach like that dude will get in your grill 
quick, fast, and hurt. Unless that has changed, I have I have watched that dude chew people up and down. Me too. From side to side, up to like, and I I love it. Like I think it's great. Yeah. Like I think it's phenomenal. But I I think that can be intimidating as a head coaching hire because these kids are coming in and they don't know how to react to that. Like, they're more kids, sensitive. Kids don't exactly. They don't like they 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 get, they get every, everybody's a specialist now, right? Everybody does everything. They take their turns and nobody just plays. <laughs> so I think that's part of it. Now I didn't know the Vikes had hired anybody, but the only reason if I if I'm EB, the only way I leave the Chiefs, a, yeah. like you said, is for a head coaching job, right? Okay. Or B to know I'm the head coach and waiting. Okay. You know that mm-hmm. that is them, but I can see him and Zim getting along because those two both have old school mentalities. And you know, now I'm not sure I'm going to leave to go. I'm not going to leave Patrick Mahomes with the offensive yeah. coordinator. Or something yeah, that's else, the but. that's the almighty kicker. But the thing is, <laughs> um, everybody on this call knows that Zimmer, um, for the last seven years, has been the defensive coordinator and the head coach. So we had like this figurehead defensive coordinator in George Edwards, who is probably a fantastic coach, but he could never truly showcase it because Zimmer was such this, you know, king-like personality of a defense. So I figured if that's the deal, maybe in Kansas City, then why the hell wouldn't the enemy want a little bit more autonomy over an offense? It's true. I actually said that too. I said I think that's probably another reason why um he doesn't get he doesn't get elevated to the absolute top yeah. is because as much success they had people in Kansas city still see that's Andy Reed's offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't say it's Eric B offense. Um, what was different? Is, which is, uh, sorry. What was different ahead. than with Childress? Cause when he signed here as the head coach, the whole thing was that he was the offensive mind in Andy Reed's system. Um, mm. But like, where's the yeah, kind that, of parallels? But, Chile, but, but Chile has that Chile has that reputation coming from Philly. Right. So he was, he was Andy Reed's offensive guy in Philly who did, you know, who was the quarterback guru with McNabb. And then, you know, obviously took that to the Vikes, had success there, you know, back obviously, you know, what do they call it? Co-offense coordinators or whatever with the Chiefs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where EB started as a position coach and worked his way up to that. Okay. So I think Brad, Brad is always, was always elevated at that status. Um, he, Eric Bieniemy is a, is a fantastic coach. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what people need to, to realize. And, and he is, again, the way he motivates and, and, you know, McKinney, you can speak better to that than I can from an offense standpoint. From a defensive guy, we lo- I loved him because <laughs> that dude would jump down AP's throat, yeah. he jumped down he was, throat. Yeah. <laughs> and if you walked by, if you walked by and gave him a steak guy, he'd jump down your throat. He'd be back up, back up. Um, but like I said, I love that kind of intensity and, and that kind of respect because, you know, he's in it. He's in it to win. I think that's the yeah. best thing to play. So. I would welcome him. I'm going to call Rick and tell him to hire him. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it. It's like Rick that call, man. He'll run, he'll run the ball 30 times a game. As long as Dalvin's the one doing it, we're yeah. fine. <laughs> we're cool. All right, Nick, what you got? All right. So, when you, Jared, when you were announced that you were a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, especially in your first year of eligibility, which we already discussed, Vikings Twitter, like, blew up and it's pretty we kind of came down with two common like favorite 69 moments so (laughs) definitely um of course the four and a half sacks on rogers monday night football in 2009 always has a special place in our hearts but what i want to discuss is my favorite moment which was that fight against donald penn in 2012 at the dome legendary donald, <laughs> donald and i have have a history of going back and forth he's a competitor i'm a competitor um 
I've never, I don't even know the guy off the field, but yeah, you know what? I, and I, and I think he's Donald was even more salty, which I can appreciate because you know he was with the Vikings, wasn't he? Yeah, he started the Vikings. He, he yeah, and then yeah, he went off and he had a great career. Um, but I, I run my mouth a lot. He's a guy that runs through his mouth a lot. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tipper's player. <laughs> I will say this: I never didn't have a sack on him. So uh, <laughs> I think that that was always that was always the competition level. And I knew if I talked to him, he was going to talk back, and him and I could get in these blows. And reality comes down to, and, and and so there's certain things that tick off an offensive player, right? And and I do those a lot. Like I'll I'll punch you in the throat, hands to your face, like <laughs> I'll do it. The one thing that sets me off, the one thing that sets me off, like you you want to beat me up, beat me up right here in front. Let's fight. Let's have it. Let's have at it. But when I go down to hit me in the back when I'm on the ground, absolutely drives me nuts. Especially like when an offensive player too, if you fall down and they lay on you and they pretend you did something, you're like, I tripped and you didn't even do anything. Um, <laughs> so no, so that's what happened. I made an inside move. I was trying to crawl to get back up. He hit me in the back, and you know what? Then, then things went got loose, and I was just mad. I was more mad because my helmet came down and, and busted my nose. And then people, uh, and then people, it had to get stitches. People think people thought that he busted my nose. I'm like. Man, and my helmet came out. Nobody even hit anybody. You know, you're like hand pushing. But well, no, it, it didn't was, work out. It, it worked was, out well. Yeah. Then it was third and ten, and you had a matchup against him, and you just blew right past him and sacked Josh Freeman. It was amazing, yeah. man. I told him. I told him. Don't explode it. What, I said, be careful what you wish for, bro. Awake a sleeping giant. Sleeping giant. No, I, I, I appreciate playing against guys like him because. That it brings out that competitive nature, you know what I mean, and and it is what it is. So you live by the sword, you die by the sword too. So I I already expect as much as I ran my mouth, people wanted to punch me in the face. <laughs> so I think the commentators were like, "Oh, they're having words, and they don't think they're exchanging phone numbers or something like that." <laughs> Actually, I think I might have told them, "I'm like, dude, I'll give you my phone number. We can we can meet up whenever you want." <laughs> in a dark alley, maybe. <laughs> No, well, I've, I've, I just, I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed that rivalry when he was with Tampa. I don't think I ever got to play against when he was with um, Oakland, with, uh, with Oakland. No, but uh, yeah, like I said, I, I, I see those stories are cool too, right? Because you take guys like that's, that's what practice squad development is supposed to be, right? You're supposed to eventually get, I think he ended up being a you know pro bowl or something like that. So I always appreciate that. But him and I, every time we played, we used to just jaw back and forth. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Hell yeah, like Big Mac. Unlike Big Mac, when I played against him, he wouldn't say a word to me the entire game. <laughs> he, he, he hit me with the silent treatment. I'm like, come on, Big Mac. Gentle giant. He's our gentle giant. Those are the worst things because nothing, nothing said. You're just like, it's all silent. Y'all quiet out there. No one's saying anything. <laughs> so who got the better of you of, of between the two of you in practice? Like, be honest. Oh, practice, practice, practice sucked. I'm not going to lie. Like, I told, I remember when I first got there, Childress was like, hey, I need you to work Big Mac. I need you to, I need you to get after him. And I said, coach, this dude is 350 pounds. Like, I'm not, like, I'm trying to make it to Sunday, coach. <laughs> I actually, I, so I, I, we, we practiced against each other all the way back from the beginning of my career when I was with the Chiefs. Yeah, we joined practice. each other. We used to gym with each other in the joint practices. And uh, I'll so when Lesnar got in a fight, like when Lesnar was on the Vikings, or were you, oh, yeah. were you there at the time? <laughs> I, was there, I was there too. That was actually my rookie year. I got into yeah. a fight. I was at that, 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 that trading camp. 
yeah, I got no fight in the scrimmage that night and got kicked out of practice. I was like, crap, I should have done this at the beginning of practice. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it was, it, you know, going against Big Mac was tough because like you said, you know, you, we learned a lot from each other. I think that's the biggest thing. Like I, yeah. what Willie Rove taught me, Willie Rove taught me a long time ago is, is how to beat him. Right. And so I, I learned that, you know, that conversation is understanding, like, I'm going to ask him like, Hey, if I'm doing this, how are you going to react? Or he's going to ask me like, what are you trying to accomplish with this? And so, you know, you could work well together on the, on that is, 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 is that communication the same way? Like the DBs, a lot of people don't realize how important DBs are to the front end. So I constantly would talk with Antoine. Winfrey, I remember like, um, hey, with Jared, I asked him, I said, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking to beat you to a spot. If I'm beat you there now I'm making a counter move. Yeah. Things like that. So I'm like, oh, okay, I understood. And so, and guys like, like guys like, you know, Miranda were tough because, you know, when you're that big and athletic, right? So we used to call it angle B and angle A setting. So he was more of an angle A setter, which was, which was straight back, right? And mm-hmm. each one has their advantages and disadvantages. But that ability to be athletic enough to take like an angle B set as if you're going to cut someone off and then come straight back really throws you off. Because if you step across my center line at the beginning, I want to come underneath. But you're big and you can take a bull rush like now, like now I got to deal with that. And also, you know, guys that are very technical to shoot their hands they're easier to beat because you can break technique with technique with a guy like, you know, Brian, where we can step back athletic enough to gather and absorb it's tough. So now I have to take a totally different mindset. Like he said, like I have to now force, I have to try to force him into a trap. I have to try to force my body to a certain spot and hopefully he'll react to it. And then I can plan a counter. Um, and otherwise, you know, it can be tough because you just don't, you don't get in those rhythms, but yeah, we learned a lot from each other. Mm-hmm. And there was days I was sore as all can be because I was just like, if I got to go nine on seven one more time with this big galoot, I'm quitting. Right, and like, <laughs> I got to take it off the ball with him. Well, obviously, obviously, it helped practice, and obviously, your work ethic alone had helped because you know you had 22 sacks um, in 2011. Now, unfortunately, that year, <laughs> as a team, went a little south with the three wins. Although I was looking at the box scores, and I think all but like two, we lost by a touchdown or less. So that was and a little. We were, that, yeah, we that was ahead. a little more uh, better than I remember. But uh, I um, defense has to take a lot of credit for that because we were ahead at the half a lot, and I don't you know whether it was whether it was turnovers or um, just us blowing it. I don't know. Well, so that kind of leads me to my question where, um, so in my mind, that 22 sack season that you had to me is more impressive than the Michael Strahan 22 and a half, mainly because Favre took a dive at the end, which we'll get to that part next. But uh, um, anyway, like the fact that a three win team and you're getting 22 sacks. So it means that most, or at least the latter half of the game, you're playing from behind. So what kind of pride do you take in that season? Like I know the team part didn't go as would, would have planned, but you got to, sit back and revel in the, Hey, like I have the second most sacks. It was was a great, it was a great season, obviously uh, personal success wise. I, in in Big Mac, I tell you, I probably hate losing more than anybody on the face of the earth. Like (laughs) I've lost my cool more than once. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody, and nobody was uh, off limits, whether it was coaches, players, it didn't, it didn't matter. Uh, A staffer could walk by and they might get chewed out just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) So it, it just, it, it sucks. But, you know, I, for me, again, you, we talked earlier about, you know, just, you know, kind of how I came in the league and, and different and, and different you know, aspects of my game. I took from people and I learned so much from players about being, you know, I, I'm not, I, as much as I talk, I'm not a rah-rah guy. You know, I, if, if I have to give you a rah-rah speech, just quit because you shouldn't be in the, in the building in the first place. If you're not self-motivated, I got no business with you. Um, right. And so for me, it was, it was about, here we are having, 
one of the worst seasons and I was having one of my best and it, 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 the continuation wasn't, you know, obviously, you know, where you're at trying to chase things, but it was just about setting an example of excellence, right? Like I wanted to make sure that guys knew that I'm not going to fold, whether we're three and 12, this, that I'm, I'm not going to fold. I'm, I'm going out hundred percent every time. And, um, but the biggest difference, I just didn't miss that year. It's one of those things where you have years, you know, you can count, I can count on the hands, the times that I've, I've missed in, in, you know, in, in seasons before. And this is one of those years where, you know, I may have missed three that I could have had. And, and the saddest part about it is the 23rd sack. So Green Bay, Monday night football in Green Bay, right? Yes, it was Bay, a Monday running football. They, they ruled it a running play, they, but it was not. No, they, they gave it, they gave it, they gave me the sack to begin with on Wednesday. Oh, they, they ruled it, it a muff and gave it a team sack. Took the sack from me, oh, okay. called it a team sack. And that was the 23rd sack of the season that got taken from me. And uh, I still cry about it. <laughs> well, did, did you ever, uh, have you ever reached out to Favre and just to give him some shit about uh, like, hey, if it weren't for you, I'd have the 20, I'd have the record. I can't because I have, I have a sack and a safety off Dan Orlowski running out the back of the end zone. That's so cute. what can I say? <laughs> I can't say that. Angie's list is now Angie. And caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, also, uh, so with that, I, I heard you saying, um, you know, to Lieber that the, that Lions team was the 0-16 team was probably the toughest Lions team that you'd ever played. Now, we had Roy Williams on with the podcast a few weeks back, and he said that team had 27 offensive plays. Is that something that you as a defender is aware of at the time? Like, hey, we're studying film and they're running the same play every third. Yeah, he seven. said that's all that was in their playbook was 27 plays. That's all they ran. Well, I mean, the reality is, I mean, again, Brian can 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 speak to this better but football is a lot of smoke and mirrors i mean there's there's literally there's a pro formation and a slot formation if you really want to come down to either the x and z are on the same side or they're on the opposite sides you know what i mean so yeah a lot of plays are you know from a defensive standpoint we don't get in into into the like so they could have the same uh, you know the same relatively same play with different protections or different you know blocking scheme it could be a different play right so for us you know we don't really, we don't really view it that way. To me, you know, even though power and counter are totally different, I'm going to play them the exact same way. So, you know, it just depends on which guy gets to the hole first. So who am I kneecapping first, right? Who am I hitting first? Um, and so for me, like, I wouldn't have paid attention to that just because of the fact that when I, when we want to break down film, I usually focus on the top 10 plays that they're going to do. Right. And usually that's the top five running plays because you're going to see those the most. And then, you know, from, from, from a pass standpoint, What's their what's their favorite pass formation? So if I can if I can catch something from a formation standpoint and know it's a pass and like maybe we get into second and short and they show me a pass formation, I can get a jump on a play action or something like that. So you know as far as, as far as that goes, you know we've never really focused more past more than ten to twelve plays, anyways. So okay. All right. The next one is totally changing courses and forgive me. I don't think this is too personal, um, but I'll lead in on the personal uh, side. This is about a minute long speech about my biography. Um, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Um, Every or every night from 2003 until 2012, I drank uh, cheap Canadian whiskey, hard alcohol, uh, anything that was about 13 bucks a bottle. And I drank it in excess to the point where I effectively blacked out every night. 
And I had to piece together what I did the night before, like through text messages. And most of the time, though, I was just by myself. Um, alcoholism is and was a genetic malady for me. Um, <clears throat> it hit kind of its uh, came to a head in 2012. I was hanging out with a friend of a friend who had, you know, open bar and I was drinking Lord Calvert's and I stood up and I fell into a fireplace mantle and I uh, had to go to the hospital because my head was split open and behind the scenes, my uncle and my mother involuntarily committed me to a treatment center. And when I got there, uh, it was all people for meth and pills. And because I only drank alcohol, I thought I was superior and didn't have a problem. Um, I got to my 28th day of being there and they told me I couldn't leave because I hadn't made any progress. And I kind of just retreated to my to my room and had a conversation with my deity, uh, God, and told, you know, basically blamed God for my shortcomings. Like, if you didn't want me to drink and fall in love with alcohol like this, then why did you even create me type of thing? Anyhow, what that turned out to be a spiritual experience for me, because after I cried myself to sleep that night, I woke up and the desire to drink had been gone, was removed. And I, I got out of treatment about three weeks later after that, and I never had any cravings or triggers. And now I, you know, I'm on a Vikings podcast with Jared Allen. So my question, <laughs> and maybe I, maybe I read in a lot of this through the media throughout the years, but I recall that you had some sort of struggle with alcohol. I don't know if you were an alcoholic like myself, but um, what was your moment to sort of change your life around if any of that was true indeed? Yeah. So my, my issue wasn't necessarily with alcohol it was with okay. maturity, right. And growing yeah. up and, and alcohol is what got me, you know, it got me in trouble. Right. So, sure. you know, made a bad decision was young, dumb. And, you know, you get, you get a phone call from the wrong person at the wrong time of night and you think, ah, it's cool. I'm going to go pick this person up. Right. <laughs> um, so for me, you know, I, after, you know, after I got in trouble, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really big on self-accountability. Right. And so, you know, I, I went to the chiefs and I just said, Hey, here's the deal, man. Um, I, I gotta, I want to figure this out, right? You get two DUIs in five months, you need to figure it out. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I went to this outpatient deal and, you know, did a lot of self, a lot of self-evaluation, as you know, and, 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 and self, you know, self-reflection and you get the tools. And what I learned is I, so I, I never had, I never had, you know, physical, you know, addic addictive problems or something like that. I, yeah, I, I did. I could, I, I could care less. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, you know, as Big Mac knows, usually how, how the NFL typically works, you know, our weekends are a little different. So yeah. you get, you get, you know, Sunday night, if you could walk enough, uh, you know, right. sometimes a lot of the, the single guys will be out <clears> Sunday, <throat> sometimes Monday, and then you get Friday, which usually is dinners with your teammates. So, you know, for us, our, our weekends are a little different. So those were the days where, where we went out and, 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 and drank and had a good time. And the problem was I just made really crappy decisions. You know, I made, I, I made two bad decisions, which led me, I got behind a wheel, which led me to getting in trouble. Yeah. So for me, I, I went and it was self-reflection. And so I, I did, I, I went and voluntarily, I told them, I said, Hey, listen, I'm going to go take these classes. Cause I'm going to figure out Hey, if I have a problem, I need to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. B I need to figure, I need, I need to, I need, I need some self-accountability. So I went and did it. And what I realized is I was, I needed to grow the heck up, you know, and I got a call from my grandfather and my pastor at the time. And my grandfather told me, he said, listen, son, he said, I took this name through two wars and numerous conflicts. He's like, and you ain't going to F it up. So get your crap together. And I was like, all right, my grandpa could, you know, even before he passed at 80 some odd years old, he could still kick my butt. Um, and then my pastor called me and told me, he said, Jared, he said, here's the deal. If you're a man of God, if you have your faith, as, as I know you are, that you've been raised to be then you need to look at your fundamentals. Like, who are you as fundamentally as a human being? And that's who you need to be. If you're an asshole, be an asshole. 
and, and, I, and I was shocked because my pastor's cussing at me, right? I'm like, what? And uh, I can do and that. He's like, and he goes, he goes, if not, he goes, he goes, the world needs more moral heroes. And so for then I was like, you know, I, well, my thing was I played on, I, I played on such an edge, right? And so my whole life, my whole career, I thought I had to live on the edge to play on the edge. Like my sure. life in football was never separated, right? So, you, you know, and, 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 and as Big Mac knows, growing up when you are the star athlete, you do no wrong, right? And I went to a smaller mm. college and things were swept under the rug and football, 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 football. And you have this meat stick mentality. It's just like, <laughs> I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to play football and we're going to North Dallas 40 this up and we're just going to have a good old time. And it is what it is. So for me, it was a maturity issue. And as I grew and understand the fact that I can shut it off when I come home and that as to much is given, much is expected, right? So as, a, as, as someone who's been given a bunch, I have a part to say, like it or not, I was a role model and yeah. like it or not, my last name means something and like it or not, I'm in a position in having success over here. So I, I, I owe it now to my community to be a responsible part of my community. And part of it is make is, is like making a plan, right? For example, you're going out to the club or you're going out to the, to the, to the restaurant, knowing you're going to have some drink with some friends. Take it. And we didn't have Uber back then, right? You had to, you had to <laughs> yellow cab it up. Um, but it's like, have a plan. And so, for me, I, I went through all the, I went through all the courses, and that's what I learned about myself. Man, I needed to grow up. I needed a maturity issue. So in the NFL, when you get in trouble, you get put into the program, and so many guys screwed up because they tried to screw up the program. I didn't drink for two years. Uh, it was like cool. I you know you, you do the crime, you got to do the time, and it was a big self discovery for me. So when I came into Minnesota, you know that was kind of the thing. Like oh, where, I told you, just look how I live, you know, yeah. and and you know so that's that's for me. It's for me, it was, it was just a growing up issue and learning to be not really like you have to be, you got to be responsible for yourself, but you also got to have the responsibility for your actions and learning how to plan. And so everything you're growing. And that's the philosophy I still take in my life. And I took as my career. Right. And that's one thing I really learned about stuff. If I'm constantly self scouting as a player to be better every year, shouldn't I self scout as a human being too, yeah. you know? And, and so each phase of my life, I try, I try to attack it that way. When I met my wife, you know, and decided to get married, it was like, okay, now you know, it's just not you. You don't, you're responsible for another human being, right? And then when we had kids, that's a whole nother area. Then, so I want to be the best husband I can be. I want to be the best father I can be. I want to be the best Christian I can be. Uh, and so, at each stage of my life, I try to evaluate that and and, and and constantly keep growing. And you know, I think that's how you become and stay a good human being. So yeah, that was kind of my that was kind of my story. Okay. But I'm, I mean, I'm with you at the time when 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 everything, you know, you get in trouble twice that's alcohol related. You have to look in the mirror and say, okay. If you got a problem, you need to do something about it. If not, grow the f up and, and get your life on. Get, you know, get going straight. Yeah, there um, is there is a distinction um, there between us that I think it's important to call out. Kind of a life thing more so than a Vikings things for you listeners is that there are indeed men um, and women like Jared that um, you know just drink and maybe do some stupid stuff, but then can get rid of it at a moment's notice or in his uh, case, you know, some soul searching. But then there's the men and women like me who are stone cold alcoholics that. Uh, despite their best efforts are going to end up drinking no matter what happens. So uh, there's actually, you know, there's, there's books and they're, they're called the blue book uh, that are written about that to first, you have to define what you are is if you are a true, a, a real alcoholic, or if you are just a problem drinker. And I think it's cool that Jared, you were able to, um, you know, elucidate that part of it because there are millions of folks that just abuse alcohol. And there's folks like me that become physically dependent and, you know, fundamentally addicted to it. So yeah, I appreciate I, you sharing I, that story. 
Oh, my pleasure. I tell people all the time, I, you know, I've, I've had two very close friends that I've, I've had to put in rehab, you know, and and I think that's what people think is it's so many people think that, you know, problems are weaknesses, right? The only weakness in life is not addressing your problem. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and, that, and that's and, and that's and that's a true statement. And, and, and it's unfortunate in the league. And I think, again, you know, Big Mac knows this as well in a league where you're alpha male and in feelings, you know, oh, you know, but then the reality is to be a true to be a true alpha anything. You got to be you got to be honest with yourself, like you said. And so I always encourage people, man, like, hey, this this was my road. This was my path. It's the same thing with like Christianity. I, you know, I, I've never had a God moment in my life. Right. As far as, you know. It's like you, you see a light and you're suddenly changed. I grew up in the church. I've always known it's better to believe in God than not to believe in God. Uh, my life, I had the heart rate monitor, right? But now I can tell people what God did for me. I can tell people how how my life is better with God. Um, but it's, and it's the same thing, right? Everybody's got to have everybody's got to have have a reason to get to a point to where they have to have accountability. And and so I, you know, with faith, you can't push anybody to faith. You can't push anybody to yeah. deal with their problems. You could be there to support them. And at the end of the day, people got to make decisions that are going to benefit themselves. But that's why I encourage people, you know, the true strength isn't, isn't pretending nothing's wrong. The true strength is actually confronting it and doing something about it and being a better person for it. I agree. Nick, what do you got next? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's like such a perfect segue talking about like doing better <laughs> and being better because you've done so many things outside of um, sports. So, I mean, of course, MTV Cribs has got to be up there, but I would like to talk about your homes for wounded warriors. Um, I just, that's something I have looked into a lot over the years um, following you as a fan. Um, and I know you raise money to build and remodel homes for injured military veterans. And I would just love to hear some more about that, like how you were inspired to do that and like what you guys are currently working on now. Yeah, so uh, my whole family is military. My grandfather was 23 years in the Marine Corps. My uncles, my brothers. Um, my dad played football. That's why I went football route. Uh, but, you know, so I've always known that the, the reason that we get to do what we do, um, you know, and I got to you know live out my dream is because, you know, we're one of the few countries that has a voluntary military, right? It's a volunteer military. So our men and women, you know, sign up freely to go out and protect our freedoms. And so for me, uh, I've just, I've always had great respect for our men and women in uniform. I just, they mean to, to go out and sacrifice it for, for, for the ideals that we believe in and what makes our country great is there's no greater, you know, people in my opinion. So, uh, in 2009, I went on a USO tour and, uh, I had a buddy that told me about the gap in adaptive housing when our injured military men and women come home. And so after my USO tour, I came back, talked to him again, and we put together my foundation, which is based on the premise of, you know, What's my American dream, right? My American dream is a functional home for myself and my family. You know, what what does the word home mean to me? My home is my most sacred place, my most comfortable place at my most vulnerable time, right? Um, and so, you know, no one deserves that more than the people that fight for that for that American dream. So, you know, we started building homes back in 2009 and, and remodeling. So what we do is we build and remodel homes for wounded vets all over the country that come home from Iraq and Afghanistan. We've currently given away, I think, 20 homes. We just gave away one a couple of weeks ago down in Florida. We got five projects currently going. Um, so yeah, we just been that's just what we do, and, and we're a little different. So we build our homes specifically to the needs of our men and women, um, and then when we when we give it to them, we give it to them free and clear. Um, so yeah, we got great partners from Home Depot to United Brotherhood of Carpenters to good. I mean, I'm, I'm missing a ton to. Um, 
you know, KB, KB homes. Like, so we, we're it's cool because, you know, they allow our partners allow us to have the infrastructure to build whatever. So like with, with UBC, they use their apprenticeship hours in certain areas to build our homes. Um, so it's been, it's been a great, it's been absolutely great. You know, I think we've done two in Minnesota um, and, you know, whatever, we're like Forrest Gump. Or sorry, we're like Wayne's World. We're like Wayne's World. If you, Same thing. If you, if you say, if you sign up, if if you sign up, we will build you a house. If you qualify, <laughs> I will build you a house. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. Forrest Gump just ran. He just kept right, running. So Forrest Gump, Gump to Wayne's there. World to feel the dreams. All in all in one segue. We love all it. in one. All we in love, one. Love a pop culture reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now, Bryant, I actually got a question for you, like on, because uh, see, you had your few years here in Minnesota before Jared came into the mix. And I kind of want to get your feelings on that. Like, what was that like bringing in a personality that, it, that I'm not saying it in a negative way, Jared at all. Like we all are big fans of what you were on, <laughs> on the field, but what is that like from a guy who's now perceived as a veteran on this team, bringing in, you know, one of the elite pass rushers who comes with this enormous personality into that locker room? I was all for it because I knew that practicing get him every day would make me better. You know what I mean? Um, and like I said before, I had like a lot of guys at University of Miami who were pretty good. So in college, they were constantly making me better at practice. So therefore, if I'm going against one of the top pass rushers at practice every day, my job on the field should be easier, you know, on Sunday. So I like it because I feel like it should, they're not as good as him, you know, who I'm playing against week in and week out on Sunday. So it should make my job, you know, feel easier on Sunday. <clears throat> And Jared kind of on the counter part on that, like, obviously you said you played against Willie Rofe and I know like him and I believe it was Brian Winters, like that offensive line, like was phenomenal. And Brian, City Brian Waters, Willie Rofe. Yeah. I had Brian yeah. Waters. Well, so uh, Shields was on the other side. My, I had Casey Wigman at center, Brian Waters and Willie Rofe. And Brian Waters loved to tear up my rib cage every time I made an inside. <laughs> so then, so you go from them, and then you know you think you're going to get a little bit of a break, and then you now come to no, Mount McKinney I, I, and Steve Hutchinson. And yeah, <laughs> so well, it was I was great. We laughed. I, 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 Big Matt, you might remember this though. When I was in Kansas City, it was my last year. So I, I when Herm came, it was great. I never had to practice like during our our, our scrimmages, right? So last year, I didn't have to practice at all. And I remember. Uh, I, I had the day off and, you know, they were down in, in Minnesota and, and Big Mac had a knee, pri- knee hurt, knee was hurt or something. And he went to practice. I was like, man, you're right. What's up? What's going on? He's like, I'm not telling you. I got to play you in like four weeks. <laughs> 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 but, but you remember the next, I think the next day we had to go to Minnesota. You remember James Reed trying to throw a bull rush on one-on-one against Hutch. And to this day is one of the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to try to talk with Big Mac uh, during one-on-one pass rush, and I'm not practicing. He's practicing, so he's probably pissed off at me that he's practicing. I'm not, and I'm trying to mess with them, and I'm going to choose. But I try to tell James Reed, uh, one of our detectives, I was like, man, don't you can't go down the edge on the, on the middle of this dude because he used to do this little stutter step bull rush. And I'm like, I'm telling you, man, just you just speed go around the edge. And he tried to do this stutter step bull rush on Hutch, and Hutch grabbed him and lifted him off the ground. His legs were <laughs> And the crowd, the crowd was like, oh, and like even as the teammates, like everybody's laughing. Like I'm trying to bury myself so my, my own teammate can't see me laughing at him. But yeah, so when I when I came there, I'm like, and, that, and then Brad tells me, he's like, hey, you know, you guys really, you guys really need to get after each other, you're gonna make each other better. I'm just like, oh man, coach, come on. 
Like this dude is huge. It's it's hard enough when I got to play him sixty snaps in a game. I don't need to do that every <laughs> single day in practice. But I it, it, it's but like you said, iron sharpens iron, right? And yeah, um, you know you don't you don't do a lot of one on ones except for training camp, and um, and and that's but it, but it does it makes you better and and like you know nine on seven against him and and you know ad in the back and you know game is easier and they lock dudes out with one arm and you know so it does it, it you know if you practice hard enough the game is easy mm-hmm. i'm just glad he started talking to me as a teammate you know I was <laughs> practice <in silence. laughs> you now. <laughs> yeah we we're here talking the night all right, Nicole, what's your, I think you got one more, and then, Ron, you got one more. Nicole, what's your final thing for Jared? Yeah, sure. So probably one of my favorite Legend of Jared Allen um, endeavors would be your post-athletic um, endeavors with um, professional curling. So I know y'all are, try- are doing, like, a cool running, but, like, of curling, so like, Jamaican bobsled team, but of, like, former NFL players. So I just want to hear, like, all about how y'all came up with this. And I know you guys had like this great, like world renowned coach and we we're working on getting to the Olympics. Like I need to hear the whole, hear the whole story King. All right. So um, it, it, it started with, I, I made a bet with a buddy of mine that after I got, after I retired in three years, I could make a PGA tour event. I love to golf too. Uh, so I was out at the Tahoe tournament one year and I wasn't playing very well. And he was like, dude, you have no chance at winning this bet. <laughs> And I'm like, still got a couple years. So then I threw it in his face. I'm like, you can't even afford the bet. So why are we even talking, right? So then we were, he came over. I think I just watched Eddie the Eagle. And uh, he was over at the house. We had some friends over. And we're sitting out by the fire. And uh, and so I talk him into, and my financial guy was over there. He's like, where are we at in the bet? I'm like, well, technically, I still got a couple years. So, and my buddy's like, you got to pay up. And I was like, unless you can put the money in escrow, it's not happening. So we get to the point where I talk him into saying, I said, all right, let's just re- let's re- reset the bet. I bet you I could make the Olympics. And he was like, done. And I was like, cool. Like I said, I just watched Eddie the Eagle. So I'm like, all I got to do is pick a, pick a sport we're terrible at. Right. And they're going to be like, dude, let's like, go for it. So I was like badminton all day long. We have never won anything at badminton. I'm six, six. I will just be up there just Smack <laughs> and flies, you know, and uh, so I start. And then my wife was like, maybe, maybe do you want to do it? You should do it with like a buddy or something. So I called Peanut uh, Tillman, he had just retired, and I was like, Hey, man, you want to try to make the Olympics? He's like, You know, I, I kind of got this whole FBI thing I'm doing going on. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so we got to Nashville, yeah. So we got to Nashville, and I was like, I'd already signed up for USA Badminton, and I and I was looking at a house, and Mark Bolger, you know, had the house next door, and then we played golf at the same place. So I was like, hey, Bull, do you want to uh, try to make the Olympics in badminton? He was like, yep, I'm all in. I was like, cool. <laughs> and then uh, I get a text from him one night. He's like, bro, I can't do this. He's like, we got we to do curling. Because those were the two that we had won a, a gold medal. He's like, we got to do curling. He's like, these guys are all over the place. So I started watching like film of Olympic badminton. I'm like, dude, these dudes are athletic. I might pull <laughs> something trying to keep up with these guys. So curling took, took place. Hired a coach, Michael Roos, Keith Bullock. Mark Bolger and myself started the team. Um, we ended up bringing on Jason Smith, who was a 2010 Olympic uh, he's Olympian. He's our skip now. Uh, Bullock had other things he couldn't really, uh, you know, get the time to it. So he kind of he became our alternate. And uh, so yeah, and then COVID hit. So we we really started to find our group, started to win a little bit. COVID hit. Uh, so it's all on the back burner. So now it's like I'm like playing G. I'm like, where are the pieces going to fit? I'm going to try to cherry pick my way to the Olympics, Olympic trials. 
But the cool story about this is this is this is the difference between curling and uh in in NFL. My very first curling match was against John Schuster at the Olympic Gold Olympians. You literally just sign up. You just, hey, you want to go curl? Sure, here you go. Pay your entry fee, you go curl. And um, so I got I got brought that my very first year. So this is like th- two or three years ago. Um, J- uh, Rich Runin, he was the defending national champion. And they invited me to nationals as the alternate. Well, they were smashing people. So I basically became like, I became like the guy off the bench who got all the scrap time, right? The fourth, I was like the fourth preseason time. guy. Garbage <laughs> yeah, just, time, yeah. Yep, garbage <laughs> timed it up. And so I ended up playing like seven ends at nationals and they took a silver medal. So I have a silver medal. I am a silver medal natural curler. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Man, I swear that your off the field story is just as impressive as you're on the field. Yeah, they between, are. Uh, Amen. Almost <laughs> killing Johnny Knoxville and uh, you know Jackass <laughs> and uh, all the other stuff, man. You, you need a you need a movie uh, based on you. So, um, but anyway, so um, my final question, um, and I don't want to rehash the or well, not my final question. One of my final questions. I don't want to rehash the '09 season because obviously you lived it. You were there. Um, but so I don't want to talk about the result. We've done that enough on the show, Bryant. Um, but uh, going back to that season when Favre came here, I know I've heard you talking about um, you know how you guys are like kids, like at the window watching him as he's pulling up, and you know we're all watching the news coverage coming in from Flying Cloud and everything. But uh, what and Chris Hockey always talks about how he knows at the point in that season when it was no longer Childress's team and it was Favre's team, and it was when Favre showed up on the bus with his Wranglers and what his Favre apparel, and then the next te- next time up you showed up with your cowboy hat on the bus. So um, what was that transition like from Childress and being his team to all of a sudden now all right this is the legend the, the the man the myth the legend we got him we're following him it's his team no i mean it was brett's team the minute he walked it was brett's team from the minute he walked through that door we all knew it when when you know how i knew it was brett's team and and, and again brian has better stories from this but he came in and completely changed our right like the offensive cadence was not yeah. the same and dude, I mean, the very first practice, this dude changed his cadence. And I'm like, you know, as a defensive side, you get used to hearing a certain thing. And so you get a jump. And all of a sudden, he's like, said hi. And then, you know, or like, whatever he did, it was always like just trying to drop people offside. He changed the cadence. And then I watched this dude throw a backside slant, looking the other way. He's running down the field yelling. And I'm like, yep, here it comes. This is it. Like, this is no longer. He ran the offense. He ran practice. It was, it was all based on him. And, uh, but I had, I had worked – when I got there, I was so happy that he came and changed, like, the dress code even more because I had to plead with Childress about not having to wear suits. I'm like, Coach, listen, a jeans and a sports coat looks just as good. Like, you know, some good-looking jeans, some cowboy mm. boots and a sport coat. I'm, I'm killing it, Coach. You know, you got to let us do this. So we changed it up. And what, remember the line he used to always say? As long as you don't come in looking like Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars. <laughs> like, yeah. I, that's all I didn't care. So the rule was you could wear jeans as long as there was no stitch, like visible stitching or something on them. Mm-hmm. And you had to have a sports coat. Well, Brett showed up with a pair of jeans, a ratty-ass T-shirt, a baseball cap, <laughs> and and that was it. And not a word was said. And so it was like... <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, why well, sit next to Brett? I sit like two seats removed from Brett. So I'm not, I'm throwing on jeans, a t-shirt, a cowboy hat, and no sports coat. 
All right. Yeah, Brett, Brett set the tone. All right. Uh, all right, Nick. Uh, I already have the other gentleman besides uh, Jared Super Bowl predictions. So, Nick, who do you got? Chiefs or Bucks? I'm going Bucks. We got some Gophers to win a title. So, yeah. what's what's the score? Oh, sir. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. You don't get. Okay, so you're just going Bucks. All right. All right. Then that's that's the very last thing for you, uh, Mr. Allen. Uh, it's kind of probably a no-brainer. Chiefs or Bucks, and what's the score? <laughs> So, see, I'm torn here, right? Because yeah. I like to see the Chiefs win. So here's my prediction. I don't know what the score. If it's a blowout, it's Chiefs. If it's a blowout, Chiefs win. Okay. If it's close, Brady wins. Ooh. Or, or the Bucks win. I'm I'm actually rooting for the Bucks to win because a Winfield son's playing, which yeah. makes me feel incredibly yeah. old because we played with Winfield. Right. Uh, which either we're old or he had kids really young. I can't. I'm not really <laughs> sure yet. Um, but or but B, I think I just what Tom Brady is. I just don't think we're going to see this in our lifetime. Maybe again, like yeah, just the scenario of a twenty-year-old vet, the greatest of all time, arguably, coming to a team where you know now he's separated from his coach with all that doubt, and he comes in, and now he's the very first home team to ever play in a Super Bowl. So right. With with that kind of greatness, I'm cheering for them to win it. So I think you know what? Let's say thirty-one twenty-seven. Bucks. 31. Okay. Wow. That's that is game winning driver. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's definitely coming down. If, if, yeah. if the Bucks have a chance to win, it gets in the last two minutes. So the old king tops the new king. All right. All right. Well, that's all the time we got, Jerry. We would love to have you back on uh, maybe before the season starts if we can uh, line you up again. This was marvelous. We appreciate all of your insights, sir. Thank you very uh, much. Time. Yeah. Big Mac, it was good seeing you again. I hope you're well, my brother. And you too. Uh, and Nick, thanks for joining us from St. Paul. And Ron, we will catch you next week. And that's all. Jared, we'll just have to make sure you get your own Zoom account this time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have my, I just got to rename it. I just yeah. got to remember. <laughs> well, yeah, he's using his daughter's <laughs> Zoom account. Uh, for full disclosure. So we already uh, wrote, we already broke his balls a little bit over that. So. Oh, uh, listen, it's not even my iPad. I bought a new iPad because my daughter broke my computer. My wife, took, I got the hand-me-down iPad too. So yeah. it is what it is. This is why you have <laughs> your, your wife, father, right? <laughs> this is why you have your wife run your social media is because of stuff like this i am I, I it might as well be speaking korean because when it comes to technology i have no clue i'm just like i if i have a problem i turn it off and turn it back on and push buttons till it works yeah there you all go. right all right thanks everybody and that's it skull vikings For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.